0: it's that time your fix is here college football is a year round discussion with these two here's J.C. and Morgan Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered beginning right now Welcome, everybody.
1: It's another installment of JC and Morgan, JC Sherbert of Twenty Four Seven Sports. I'm Mike Morgan at ESPN and the s c c Network. We continue the month of the quarterback derby. We started with uh, we got bill on here. I I know he's a quarterback. I just think of him as so many other uh, facets. So usually when Lukes is on here, we don't talk specifically about that position or even his playing days because he covers a gamut of things. Uh, We just had Greg McElroy on, Shane Matthews, Tim Couch. We'll have Ryan Leaf next week. And we have uh, another two-timer. There's only a few guests that we've welcomed a a second time or more. But when you've got Danny Connell, uh, DK, as he has been known to be uh, referred to here of late, then uh, I always like to get his take on things, especially with everything that's brewing in the ACC or potentially brewing. We shall see. But, uh, Danny, it's been a while, been a couple years. Glad to have you back on. For those that don't know, Danny does the morning show on Sirius XM 84. Really good show, Dusty and Danny. Dusty Dvorak is cohort there. And what I did not realize, also doing Mad Dog Radio noon to three. So you're already talking six hours a day, and now you are got to talk to us two meatheads. Like, I'm sorry to put
0: you through this. It's all anything for you, Mike. Anything back <laughs> to our days calling college baseball with the ESPN. We had that connection. Yeah. And that only football. a few people have.
1: Hey, don't know. forget Rutgers, Cincinnati, my friend, and lovely Piscataway. That was when Shiano had it going on. Do you remember we went into that meeting and I had been told by a number of people, like, Oh, he's a real a hole. You you are not going to enjoy this at all. Do you remember how he greeted us? He had Brand new Rutgers golf shirts waiting for us when we walked
0: in the room, and he couldn't have been more pleasant. So sometimes you just you don't know. He was, but you also remember when I wanted to study film alone, and he had the SID kind of watch me watch film. I remember that. So he was. (laughs) He was definitely. I think. Shiano's an interesting cat, right? Like, he's, yeah. And a lot of coaches are. They're control freaks. They don't like just having unfettered access to all their stuff. Some will right. let you go in, watch the coaches' tape. Others will not. But yeah. it was like, sure, yeah, go ahead, open doors. And then For the me. SID's in there, like, watching the whole time. Like, oh, you can't <laughs> watch that practice. Because that's what I would always try to do is sneak right. in, watch practice leading up to the game. Because that's where you get the game plan. That's where you get formation stuff. And you can start seeing what they're going to do. And yeah, he was all over that. He was like, "No, no, no, no! You're only going to watch games, which you can watch on your iPad. You know, so you right. don't need any access for that."
1: And he, if you've ever dealt with any of his assistants from that coaching tree, they're just as guarded. Like that's yeah. just that that's the way they're all taught, and that's the way they look at it. Um, it 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 is what it is. Like I always tell, like as announcers, we're we're not there to hurt. If only we can only help you. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to give away secrets or anything else, but uh paranoia is a real thing very often there's no doubt about that uh Danny what thing I remember the last time we had John it's been a couple of years and you said something very interesting and I always said because you were really polarizing with the SEC fan base and I know you well enough to know you're having fun like you you would I'm not saying your your takes weren't authentic like you didn't believe them but you also knew like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle the cage a little bit and you said and I noticed your Twitter timeline, it's a little more subdued now than it used to be, right? And you even said, mm-hmm. like, I probably hurt myself sometimes with some of the things I tweeted. And I just wondered since then, you know, how you approach all that. Because you still are, are opinionated, but maybe maybe a little less so on social media.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um clearly some things have gotten me into more hot water than others that while I'm smiling and think it's going to be fun, some TV executives may not feel the same way. But in reality, like the more, and so by like, but all the time, like they'll come back and they'll, you know, they, they get it. They're like, Hey, any interaction is good interaction, but I also have to be credible as an analyst. And I think one of the reasons I backed off a lot of attacking the entirety of the sec is because they have gotten better, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and like when I, so this we're going back. I mean, I've been in this for 15 years, but if you go back to like 2014, so almost 10 years ago, 2014, 2015, when really I was starting to like poke the bear, I was getting more of a profile at ESPN. I was getting bigger platforms, but I was going after the SEC more as a whole. And Alabama specifically, they were on the rise. I really felt like they were overrated and a lot of the narrative benefited them. And it still does. But they've also, then it becomes like, and this is a credit to the SEC for doing this, because anytime you heard a coach talk, player talk, analyst talk that, you know, played in the SEC, it was, well, man, you go through this gauntlet, and man, good luck. Like this is, and every coach, this is the best conference in college football. And at the time I wanted to push back and be like, all right, well, is it, you know, and there was some, you know, and the ACC was a lot better. Big 10 was better. the pack I mean, a lot of their conferences were better. And I'd push back and say, are we sure about that? It was just like a blanket statement. And to their credit, I think it helped the conference tremendously because they did get favorable rankings. They did all of a sudden get better TV deals. They did get higher profile coaches and they ultimately got better players to the point now where they have started to pull away where the difference is starting to get way more recognizable and it's hard to push back against that. So like it was genuinely a place of, man, I played at Florida state and we had tough schedules too. And it wasn't that much different to where now you start looking at it in the string of national championships and the string of players drafted. And I think what, what else? And I think even subtlety right below the sec Is if you saw this year, the Big Ten was right nipping at their heels, and then there was a big drop off between the ACC, Pac twelve, and Big Twelve, and I think that correlates directly with the new TV deals and the money that is pulling away, and I think it's a significant problem for those other two conferences. So I'll still get after it. Like Georgia's schedule is a cakewalk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am gonna troll their fans (laughs) like without uh, relentlessly this season because their schedule is a joke. And like I think they should be penalized if they lose. Do so I think they do? It's another question, but like I'll still have some fun with it. Yeah, and I
1: and I think that's first
0: off. I think it's
1: fair. I don't. I I often disagree with some of your takes, but I often think you bring up great points. And it, just because, as we always say on this podcast, like you're dealing with two guys that certainly have uh, SEC backgrounds and and cover the league and have for a while. By the same token, we don't we don't root for the destruction of the rest of college football. You know that's that might be some parts of fan bases, but for example, I <laughs> we're sitting here on the precipice of the Pac-10 and potential demise. I don't root for that. I think that's a bad thing for college football. Uh, I don't root for the ACC to go down the toilet. You know, with all the talk about uh, the, that league's security in peril or not. I think college football is at its best when there is some geographical balance, when there is some balance across the way. I also think that, to your point, the gap is widening, and that is obviously the concern of teams in the ACC. And I know you've talked about this for years, and you just hit on it. So when you read things like the the chosen seven, of course, Florida State, your alma mater being one of those, wants to get out of there and go somewhere else. And it's this damn TV contract that keeps them uh, held up. And you've got, they want a greater share of the TV money. When you see all this stuff, what do you think? And, and how do you think it gets any better? Because just because a bunch of ADs met in Amelia Island and said nice things afterward, I'm not convinced anything was really resolved yet.
0: No. That nothing was resolved. There is still a massive black cloud over the ACC, and it's a huge concern, specifically for Florida State, Clemson, Miami. I'll put, you know, like North Carolina's in there. And I know some of these other schools that are in the seven, but let's be honest. I mean, none of those schools have played for a national championship. You know, mm-hmm. trying to think have any, like, maybe in history they have, but well, not Virginia in the last...
1: Tech played for one in. 2000, 2000 right?
0: with Vic but yeah. since then no. Right. They've been pretty irrelevant. So I don't want to trust them. They they're they're a, they're a program that desires to be at the top of college football. Which mm-hmm. these 7 do and they don't want to see that gap grow. But like and if I had my choice, I I mean my first year at Florida State was in the ACC. And I I would love for the ACC to remain intact. But financially it doesn't make any sense and it's going to be impossible to compete with the SEC and Big 10 and maybe the Big 12. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the UCF who's in the Big 12 now has a chance to get a better payout from the new Big 12 deal they got. Before Florida State if they stayed in the ACC till 2036, UCF mm-hmm. could be getting more of a payout than Florida State and right. Miami, which would be insane. So, and I'm not I'm not trying to trash UCF, I'm just trying to like that's how sideways these tv rights deals are so like there's a couple options one i've always floated and i wish this could happen but i just don't think it would is i i I have to believe that espn has a vested interest in the acc like they have a tv deal with the acc and so like there's value in having that product and have it be good across the board in basketball and baseball in all sports um, and they're the ones that own this deal with the ACC and they're the, that, you know, this deal till 2036, I wish there was a world that we lived in where ESPN and I'm sure Jim Phillips has tried to plead with the ESPN say, look, we don't have to equal a big Ten and SEC, but let's, let's look at ways where we can at least get it in the ballpark. Uh, and it's as opposed to half, cause that's about what you're looking at for the ACC. It's going to be about half the uh the payout that you get at the big 10 and sec but let's get it up in the in the ballpark and maybe we can explore other let's put some on streaming let us do some things that maybe make up the difference there but where espn is now i mean this and espn to their credit they got a deal that is as good a deal as you can get it is a bargain basement price for a power five conference but also we know the espn the landscape of where they are Now backing out, you know, reportedly uh, of deals with the PAC 10 or PAC 12, not, you know, giving up on the Sunday ticket, you know, getting out of the, they're just, they're at a place where they're trying to cut costs, not just give out free handouts to the ACC because it's good for college football. So I wish there was a way that could happen. I don't think it's a viable option. The revenue share thing where they're going to have a, you know, according to your success, I think it's the success initiative, I think is what they were calling it. Um. I think that's a band-aid. That's a temporary band-aid to please Florida State Clemson and whoever else is at the top of the conference. And it's very it's a meritocracy, whatever. And I think even Dave Claussen at Wake Forest said, Yeah, that sounds great. I can I can win a big bowl. I could maybe if we win, we deserve more and let's try to make it based on who wins. And if Florida State or Clemson make it to the playoff, they should get more money than Boston College, who, you know, who knows how many wins they'll have this season but even at, even at that i think it was only about 10 more million for that school so you're still 40 or 50 million behind where the big 10 or sec is i don't know mike what the answer is though long term i know every single athletic director in, in school president in those seven schools has their high priced attorneys digging for outs for loopholes for anything to try to get out of the deal I just don't know. They might be hosed. They might just be stuck. Now I do I've talked to a couple of them. They said, hey, we're it's we'll find a way to make it work. I just don't know what that looks like. And then of course it opens up the door to where are the landing spots. And you know, Florida State Clemson, I think would be perfect fits, culture, you know, level of play with the SEC. Um and it's one that's like one of those nightmare scenarios that people always hit me. Are you going to chant SEC? I'll tell you, I'll be the first one. I will never chant SEC, even if Florida State is in the conference, okay? (laughs) I can promise you that. But if it means like all I want for Florida State, and I think this is all anybody will want, and I want it for every program that wants to be there, is to be included in the future of college football. And the future of college football is where the SEC and Big Ten are headed. And I think the future of college football is players getting a share of the TV deals, like more of an NFL pay-for-play type model. And I know we have NIL that appears that way, but it's not reality. Eventually, we are going to go down this road. So that's when things get dire for the schools in the ACC because then if you have an allotment where it's, all right, you get 10% of the TV money and you can have that as your salary cap, you pay that to the players, whatever portion it is, I don't know if it's 50, like closer to the NFL, or it's a portion of it, whatever it is, your portion is going to be half of what those conferences have. So if the big 10 and sec and and college football in general moves to a place where you can pay the players as part of those TV money, you'll be able to pay the best players to play in the sec and big 10 and the ACC you'll be getting the sloppy seconds or your collective, I guess would try to make up that difference, but that's, not a sustainable model, a uh, model, and that's what you know. Michael Alford has been very upfront about.
2: I, I, I want that, to. That's very interesting. You mentioned that. Uh, I'll circle back to that in a second. I do want to tell you this. Twenty sixteen, you were right about the ACC. The ACC was a better conference than the SEC that year. Think about like the true freshman starting a quarterback in the SEC that year. That was Hertz' freshman year. Clemson beat them. Check out this list of quarterbacks in the ACC, though. Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky, Nathan Peterson at Peterman at Pitt, still in the NFL. Gerard Evans was a dual threat at Virginia Tech, led him to the division titles. Justin Thomas was at Georgia Tech. Brad Kaya at Miami. DeAndre Francois, not a bad quarterback at Florida State. Ryan Finley was at NC State. John Wolford was at Wake Forest. He's still in the NFL. Daniel Jones, who starts for the Giants, was at Duke. Wow. I yeah. mean, so in hindsight, pat yourself on the back for that, man, because clearly, even down to the championship game where Clemson beat Alabama, it was the better league that
0: year. I mean, period. And JC, that was I remember like, that was a big argument of mine against the SEC. What is it? Was a very lopsided conference where the defenses were awesome, mm-hmm. but the offenses were antiquated, the quarterback play wasn't great. And to that, and so this is where the SEC has gotten better. Look at what, yeah. and I got to give Bama a lot of credit because Nick Saban said, "Man, I can win championships with defense, but it's a lot easier if I can win them with both." And then he brings in Lane Kiffin, you open up the offense, and what Nick Saban's impact has been is all of a sudden we've seen a lot of schools bring in innovation and no huddle and shotgun and RPOs to the SEC. And this is one of my points that I've, you know, because the Big Twelve used to get crushed; nobody plays any defense. Well, then all of a sudden we're starting to see shootouts like we saw last year with Alabama and, and Tennessee. I didn't hear anybody complain about the lack of defense there, but it's a there's still great defenders on the field. There's just very elite quarterback play and there's great talent, but there's also scheme that is innovative now. So the SEC, like to their credit, they adapted. I just felt they were a little bit behind. And now they've got, you know. Great play on both sides of the ball with some of the greatest play callers out there, you know, in the SEC now. Yeah, and no, SEC... that ties back. Good. Yeah. Go oh, ahead, I was DT. just going to agree. That ties back to money and what
2: you were saying with, about the TV deals. And I'm, I, I actually am spot on with you there, too. I think television, in its uh, purest sense, is name, image, and likeness. Is it not?
0: you mm-hmm.
2: you got the, I mean, if you were an actor and you were on TV for two, three hours every Saturday, uh, you would, Be paid for your name, image, and likeness, and so. Well, uh, and I think that is what's scary for some of these other conferences because that will be the pool of money where it ultimately comes from, where they can probably get around some of this employment stuff if they if they skin it as this is name, image, and likeness. These guys are independent contractors, whatever, but we're paying them for the for the revenue we're coming bringing into the school based on their name,
0: image, and likeness. Well, I also mean based. Well, then. So, JC, I'll take it a step further. What what would happen then is you just have minor league NFL. You know, like, because I had We're not NIL that far from that, from that now. What's that? I said we're not that far from that now.
1: No, you think about and
0: it. I always hated it. I didn't want it to go there. I thought NIL was a great compromise between players being employees and players getting some money. Like, deserved, you know, brand awareness. You know who Johnny Mandel is. You know who Baker may feel like over history those guys should get endorsement deals like the Heisman House. Why couldn't they do the Heisman House? And I was I thought it was a great solution. The problem with it is, is it very quickly morphed into there, we're not even there's players that are unrecognizable that are just getting paid to play. So if we're doing that, why not just make it above board and actually have them employees? And my big pushback against being employees is I really appreciated being a student athlete. I liked, you know. Getting a degree. I think there's a value in getting a degree. But on the flip side, look at what Colorado has done. Like, and and this is this is just Dion is taking advantage of the system. I never wanted players to get cut. Like I thought, I thought I, I got cut multiple times in the NFL. It is not fun. It's the business aspect that I hated of the game. Now you can get cut essentially, and coaches are more willing to say, well, man, you guys are moving all over the place. I need to rework this roster. I'm going to go ahead and get you off of my roster. And, you know, we're going to go ahead and make changes. So if we're seeing that already in college football, like let's just get it to a place where there's some structure and players aren't free agents every single year, which is essentially where they are. And no one feels bad for college coaches because they make so much money, but it's almost impossible to manage a roster of 85 scholarship players when they're free agents every single year. College football players have more leverage and power than NFL players. They just do. They can be a free yeah. agent every single year and test the market. And I don't think that's healthy for anybody. Not to say they shouldn't get paid, but it's just the way they're doing it right now, I think is really set up for failure long term. There's no, you know, like, again, I think you're, well, that's why college basketball has seen such a drop in the regular season. It's hard and even in the postseason, it's just falling behind because it's hard to get to know the players because there's so much movement. And you're seeing that happen in college football. I mean, I in the off season I'm trying to struggle to keep up. Who's that guy transferred again? Like he's gone. Yeah. Where where is this player now? And it's it's hard for fans to keep track of. Well, I think that initially
1: people thought the portal would be like the fifth string wide receiver that didn't see the field, that was upset with playing time. <clears throat> that was going to be the be the guys that are in the portal, and now it's starting productive quarterbacks that threw for thirty five hundred yards that just want to go somewhere else
0: to play. <laughs> I mean, that's not what really the portal was all about, and, but that's where we are. And the tampering is the biggest. Problem. I mean, Drake May is a great example. Well, yeah. You know, it's paper. It's paper play. Zero. Drake May had zero desire to leave North Carolina, right. but he got offers that he had to consider. I mean, his brother won a national championship in hoops. His yeah. brother plays. His other brother plays on the team. Like he's got every reason to be a North Carolina Tar Heel, except he had every right and pro- and he probably he's taking less money. I don't know for sure, but I would say no he's question. taking less money to stay there. At least they were able to you know compensate him somewhat. But there were a lot of schools that were tampering. Because he was under scholarship, he never entered the transfer portal. But saying, "Hey, we'll pay you more," and that—that's the kind of structure that I don't think works, and it's not—it's not a healthy environment uh, for. And now you could argue if you said, "Hey, these players been getting screwed," to say it's not been healthy for 50 years. But I do think there's got to get to a place, and hopefully get there quickly, where we can get some sort of structure where players can get paid if they're, you know, and if they're playing well, that's great. They can have opportunity financially but also we have some stability with the overall system so that you can, and I think it'll, I think it'll help the quality of play too. I think you're going to see the, the quality of play start to suffer because it's hard to develop players when they're hopping from school to school every year.
1: Finishing up with Danny Cannell. I've got to ask you a, a, a actual question about on the field in the ACC. You mentioned Drake may, I just had him in the spring game. He is out without a doubt, the real deal and, a, and an exceptional talent. I had Florida State in the bowl game in Orlando, um, and kind of the, uh, the the feel the vibe at the end of that game. Yeah, it was a win against a mediocre Oklahoma team, but the vibe was kind of like, okay, they're coming. Like the Seminoles are on clearly on on the the uptick, and, and they're moving in the right direction. If Clemson is Clemson, and then if Miami can somehow get back to relevance. Then you know I don't think the ACC is ever going to be as deep as the SEC. I don't think that's the argument that you. I don't think that's the hill you want to die on if you're pro ACC guy. If you're pro ACC guy, you want to you want to be the hey, okay, we're not going to be as deep as some of these other leagues, but but damn it, our top five can play with anybody. Just look and and maybe maybe this is the year where some of those
0: teams can live up to that. I think so too, I, and I I think I, you could argue too though. Man, if you just have one national championship, and can go a long way. Like one team that wins the title, that changes mm-hmm. the perception of the league. No doubt. And I think, you know, for a while there, it was Clemson and then what? Like, right. what are you going to do? And there weren't many viable options to come behind them. Now, I do think Florida State is a legit national title contender. So you have it. And I think Clemson is, too. The Garrett Riley move, I thought, was the most significant offseason hire in college football with North Carolina, I think they're a real crapshoot. With you know Drake May losing Josh Downs, losing his offensive coordinator, I think there's a little bit concern. Could you see a regression? I Mac recruits really well though, so I you could see North Carolina emerging there. And then they got to yeah, be more physical. They got to be more physical, especially on defense. The defense was an absolute sieve. But then you mentioned Miami. Like Miami is a program, and I give Mario credit, Chris uh, Mario Cristobal credit for ripping the Band-Aid off with the coordinators in the first year. It wasn't working. Josh Gaddis was a mess, so he goes ahead and he makes the changes there. And they've got a first-round talent in Tyler Van Dyke, and they've been recruiting well. So they've got some players on that roster where I think if you were looking for a turnaround team, I think the Miami Hurricanes are a great example if somebody could do it. And their schedule's manageable. That Texas A&M game is huge for both of those programs, A&M and Miami, because I think it could really either propel – the winner, you know, to a, a great season. And I also think on the opposite side, whoever loses that game could be kind of, you know, spiraling out of control and possibly in a downward spin, even though it's early in the season, I think that for, you know, that momentum and confidence could play, you know, huge dividends for the winner of that game. I'll let you get out on this.
1: I know you're in a time crunch, just thing you're looking forward to the most this season, other than the rise of your mighty Seminoles, just big picture wise. You know, what what is something that excites you about the twenty twenty-three
0: campaign? Um, I man, there's so many great storylines. I'll give you one though. I think uh, you know, can USC get to the playoff and mm-hmm. you know, and potentially win and because they the Pac 12, who's on the life support right now as we speak, and USC UCLA leaving to the Big Ten, I think it's gonna make it harder for USC to get to a championship and a playoff, even though we go 12 teams, it'll be a little bit easier. But I want to see if Lincoln Riley, with a returning Heisman Trophy winner, they've been crushing the portal once again, getting some great talent, Bear Alexander, to fix up that defensive line. USC, can they, can they get to the playoff? Can they win a playoff game for the first time in Lincoln Riley's career as a head coach? Like, there to me, can you bring back the West Coast and the Pac-12 to the playoff before they exit? I think it's going to be a fascinating storyline to watch develop. And the Pac-12 is deep with really great quarterback play yeah. with good, good teams. So it's not going to be easy. So I think it's a fun storyline to keep an eye out for. That's
1: that's the crime for the for the, the pack this year is that they do have ridiculously good quarterback play top to bottom and that that's not going to steal the headlines. The survival of the league and the departures of Southern Cal and UCLA will dominate. I, I want to give Danny credit on this last point. Uh, for those that think he's just uh, biased and, and hates the SEC – You and Danny did your dirty dozen best quarterbacks since 2000. I'm looking at this list. So you guys, I guess, did a draft format, right? You got one, three, five. So Danny's number one was not a Seminole, was not an AC. It was Tim Tebow, Tim (laughs) Tebow, Florida. You had Joe Burrow, number five. You had Colt McCoy, nine. You had Deshaun Watson, three, and Kellen Moore, 11. I'd I'd go to war with these guys. Mariota, even though it didn't work out in the NFL, seven, was a hell of a college player, there's no denying that. So that was in in response to that list that came out on ESPN.com, which obviously stirred the pot, putting
0: uh, Baker number one. Uh, I, you got to be the best college quarterback in the last 20 years. You have to have a title. Um, at least I to be agree. Fun, not to make the list, not to make right. the list, be top five, but to be the best in the last 23 years, you got to have a championship. And Tebow get I give him one and a half. Right. You yeah. guys, two. <laughs> I give him right. one and a half. But I think also there's some recency bias in there. Baker Mayfield had a tremendous career. But I thought Tebow being four was insane a little disrespectful to our guy tim tebow is how great a quarterback he was yeah
1: it's not just the titles look at the numbers like i think right because,
0: because he his, shattered a lot of
1: records and he could throw in college for whatever reason that jacked up arm motion didn't work in the nfl but in college he was a good enough passer where he made plays danny you always make plays uh on the field and on the air with us again you can catch danny uh, uh, with Dusty Dvorak every weekday morning on Channel 84 and Sirius XM and also on uh, Mad Dog Radio in the afternoon. Always appreciate you carving out some time, my friend. We'll talk to you down the road. Anytime, Mike. JC, great catching up with you guys. You got Thanks, it. BK, take care. Thanks again to uh, Danny Cannell as we keep going here on the quarterback derby portion of JC and Morgan. Back to back to back to back, Lugs, McElroy, Matthews, Couch, Cannell, and Ryan Leaf next week. In terms of uh, some of the quarterbacks to join us here on JC and Morgan, I, I want to pick up on one thing, and we didn't have enough time to really kind of go back and forth on this that Danny said, and I hear this a lot, and I just I just think it's important to add this to the uh, to the stew to throw this ingredient in the stew. To, to why the ACC signed the deal that it did. It's important to note, it's like everything else. TV is is not unlike any other business. It's supply and demand. The demand for ACC versus the Big Ten SEC is not there. That's not to say the ACC is not a valuable product. It is a valuable product, and ESPN wanted that product. And it's been good for, the, for ESPN to have the SEC and ACC, basically a virtual monopoly on those two products, is beneficial for the network. Keep this in mind, too. This is the one thing that nobody seems to talk about. At that time when that deal was done, you had two things going on. You already, just like we have now, however many years later, you had a number of ACC schools that were rumored to leave. And this is during the wild, wild west of where programs were leaving left and right anyway. And, of course, in the last few years, we've seen Texas, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, UCLA, all leave prominent Power <clears throat> power 5 leagues for the SEC and the Big Ten, respectively. So to sign that deal long-term in the writing that it is, and this is why I keep saying, look, if, if they could have broken free by now, if some lawyer could have found a flaw in this contract, it would have already been done. They haven't been able to do that. That's number one. Number two is they wanted a network. The SEC had theirs. The Big Ten had theirs. And no one else was giving the ACC their own network, other than ESPN. No one. So that's if you had those two things that you were insistent upon in order to make a deal, then you had to come up with as high a dollar figure as you could. And eventually, they could—they probably didn't forecast it would get this far out of control. But eventually, yeah, you would be behind the SEC and the eight, and the Big Ten in the financial package. Did they think it'd be $30 million per school behind? No, but that's where you, that's, that was the justification going into that deal. And I will defend it It's not Jim Phillips that made the deal. It's John Swafford, a very highly respected man during his time as the ACC commissioner. He knew what he wanted. He knew the place to get it was ESPN. And sometimes you have to, you have to give a little to get, and that was the best offer on the table. He made sure that Clemson, Florida State, for example, could not just bolt, and he made sure that they had a conference network where that would compete because what was happening was coaches in the SEC and Big Ten were saying, every one of our games are on national television, football, basketball, and the ACC, their coaches were saying, well, how am I supposed to compete against that in recruiting? Like I got to compete against these guys and everything else, facilities and tradition. And now you're telling me their games are on TV and ours are not. That was a big deal at the time, uh, and so I, I just I just circle back to that when people say, "Well, what, what was he drunk when he came up with it?" No, he he came up with the best thing he could given the marketplace. We didn't have you know Amazon making bids and Peacock and whatever else. It's basically a two-party system you were either going to make a deal with espn or fox and the only the only network that was going to give them that kind of deal was espn they made it and here they are and i still jc as we look at this in 2023 i don't think all that talk and all that huffing and puffing i don't know if it amounts to much of anything and the other thing is they want a Texas, Oklahoma, Big Twelve type of deal where they clearly get more revenue sharing. And they're they kinda got a little bit toward that with postseason bon- benefits and whatnot, but but I don't think Wake Forest, you know, John Curry and their leadership's gonna wake up one day and go, you know what, you are better than us. So here here's an extra ten million for you and less ten million for us because you're that important and you're that great. I I don't see that happening and I don't know. Again, legally speaking, what ground they had to stand on to get
2: there? Yeah, it was it, it was kind of a different time. I mean, technology moves at such a fast pace, uh, and you remember at the time. Okay, so the Big Ten expands. They don't add Southern Cal and UCLA or Texas or Oklahoma. They added uh, they added Rutgers and Maryland because <laughs> right. of cable, you know. Um, that was kind of before cord kind of get to the apex of cable. Cable still brings in a lot of money, by the way. People don't people don't get that. There's the yes, percentage-wise, it's down, but it's still a massive fire hose of cash. Mm-hmm. Uh companies are differentiating and diversifying because they know the revenue stream is going to eventually be split and streaming is going to come become more popular. You know, how do you reach your consumer? All those questions they're they're trying to answer right now at the macro level in media. But um, it, it, back then, you know, it was just like, okay, D.C. market, we're done. We're in. New York City market, done. We're in. That league comprised the entire northern fourth of the country. Here's what's interesting about that time. There are all these rumors, and, and it's kind of funny how Texas is always kind of the middle of this because they also got their deal with the Big 12 and, um, you know, with the Longhorn Network before that. Uh, and then, uh, or actually, it was right then during that when A&M left, Missouri left, Colorado leaves, Nebraska leaves, uh, all there at the same time. But, uh, you know, Texas, they, they're talking to them. Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, maybe Baylor, all of the big to-, to the Pac-12, right? <laughs> the Pac-12 could have invaded Texas. There's all that talk and it. Uh, there were reports that said it was almost done. Uh, the ACC rumors were a little quieter. There was a lot of some talk about Clemson and Florida state going to the big 12, uh, which was interesting. Um, but what a lot of people kind of lost track of, they were serious reports and, and there's credible information coming out of Virginia. And, and also to a certain extent, Georgia tech that the big 10 was going to add those two programs. So, if Georgia Tech and Virginia walk out the door at that point in the ACC, this is before they added Louisville, all of a sudden that league becomes, you know, maybe Clemson and Florida State do bolt for the Big 12, uh, which still had Texas and everybody else in it. Uh, I know one of the, the – if, if I'm NC State or Virginia Tech – Um because I think Virginia Tech probably would have raised, holy, you know what, had Virginia gone without him to the Big Ten. Uh, I'm kind of kicking myself because, uh, look, well, at least one of those two schools after the SEC landed A M or a North Carolina or a UVA, but at the time the talk was about academics and all that, the SEC would have probably gladly taken one of those two schools or three schools over Missouri. You had one in the east, one in the west. You expand your cable footprint. Missouri is a big state. You get the Kansas City and St. Louis market, not as big as North Carolina and certainly not as big as Virginia, where you can compete household wise head to head in the DC market with the Big Ten. But I remember Debbie Yale, oh, NC State, we're the, we were charter state as a charter member of the ACC. And, and I think a lot of the schools were like, no, no, we, we'd rather this league stay together. And, and so it, it wasn't, Swafford that cut the deal it was the presidents and the schools to keep the league together right and they're like okay Maryland's out all these other schools could be right behind them you know we're already but let's cut a deal get it together make life in the ACC grand well then all of a sudden four or five years later everything changes <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and and it's 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 different you know you you have a world where a Texas joins the SEC where, you know, the whole world was always, oh, no way, no way. Uh, Texas A&M will block Texas or Florida will block Florida State or South Carolina will block Clemson, whatever. Georgia will block Georgia Tech. But they got it done. And so I think that was like, well, if that happened, anything can happen. I mean, Southern Cal and UCLA are rivals, but they're traveling partners into the Big Ten. So those hard and fast conference expansion rules that we since 1991 that we've all sat there and followed are out the door, uh, that causes uncertainty. And it also, uh, has facilitated, uh, you know, the big 10 and SEC building much more value than they once had. They've always been valuable, but much more valuable. I mean, the big 10 entire Northern fourth of the country for a while now, uh, I mean, pretty much New York, Chicago, L.A. TV markets. I mean, those are what, the top three in the country? (laughs) I mean, you know, there's not another league that has that. Um, And so that value has gone through the roof. Uh, Unfortunately, with the ACC, uh, you're right, the demand has not been there. But the product on the field in football, which is the revenue driver, has been down. And frankly the basketball product has not really been good for like 2 or 3 years. I think it's a very watered down uh uh type of league right now in that sport whereas it used to used to be kind of like the old Big East. So there's problems there. I I don't blame Swafford for cutting the deal he did. But, you know, hey man, you, you made your bed, you, you lie in it. You know, you want to sit there and you know 10 years ago you want to save the league, well you did. But uh these are the consequences. So uh, I don't know to, what the answer is but uh that's that that's why we are here i mean uh, many of those schools had other options that they sure. could have they could have taken for much cheaper <laughs> had they wanted to back when all this started to
1: to danny's point, you know when you've got a school winning a national championship or playing for one seemingly every year, which is w- which was the role that Clemson was on, and they have not I've been there the last few years, but they were on that role. Right. Uh, Whether it was the BCS going into the 14 playoff, you just kind of expected Clemson and Alabama uh, to be there. Now, since then, things have changed a little bit. And during that time, it's kind of like. The pack, you can blame a lot of things on the leadership of the pack, and there has been some terrible leadership, in my opinion, I've made that well known. Uh, going back to the former conference commissioner of the PAC. I mean, he made some outlandish moves that moves that he thought he was the smartest guy in the room, and instead it turned out to be the opposite, and the PAC is still playing, paying a price for that and you know, trying to fight off its own demise. But one thing I will say that has nothing to do with that, just as if it has nothing to do with uh, the, the conference commissioner of the ACC or the presidents or anything else – if Southern Cal was the Southern Cal of old, then we wouldn't talk so much about the packs demise. And if Southern Cal was a Southern Cal of old with Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinard and Mark Sanchez and all these first round wide receivers and Lindell white and Malo, they're playing for titles and maybe they're less tempted to go to the big 10 at that point. Uh, and we're looking at the pack in a much different – if you have one team, one power team, it's it makes it much harder to knock the league down as a whole. The ACC the last couple of years haven't had that. And so we already know, Like again, you, you're never going to be convinced – 2016 is like an outlier. Every now and then you'll have an outlier like anything else. But for the most part, the ACC is never going to have the depth year to year that the SEC does. Uh, I'm not even going to throw the Big Ten in there. I did not think the Big Ten was very good last year, quite frankly, top to bottom. I mean, once you got past the top couple of teams, I thought I thought Iowa was a, Iowa was a disappointment. Michigan State was a huge disappointment. Um, Northwestern was a disappointment.
0: I mean, Purdue of, Purdue
2: won the other division, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I guess that says it right there. I mean, you got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Penn and State, from yeah, a football and then, standpoint, everybody else is just kind of, eh.
1: Everybody else was just, eh. I thought there were a lot of programs that had a down year. So you're not going to win that battle if you're the ACC. Like, we're deeper than than – we're just as deep as as your league. But what you can do is just have a good enough presence at the top, and they haven't had that. You mm-hmm. You couldn't have predicted Florida State and Miami would reach the depths that it did at the same time. Okay. And then Virginia Tech just never followed up Frank Beamer with the right coaching hire. Mm-hmm. And NC State just seems to be uh, in, in perpetuity. They will be like eight and four or, you know, in that the realm. Georgia right?
2: Tech, the bottom fell out.
1: Georgia, at Georgia Tech, the bottom completely fell out. And they're just fighting to be relevant. Forget about a contender. Um, and then North Carolina is just like that, that program that, that they flirt with with great success, but they can't seem to quite get over the hump. But really, they have to rely on Florida State, Clemson, and they really need Miami to be good again. Um, and if, if all those things happen, then maybe you can kind of stave off some of this talk. Because what it does is when those three programs are not getting it done and the rest of the ACC is just kind of, eh, It it provides an excuse of, well, what do you expect us to do? I mean, look at how much more money the other teams are making in those two conferences. Well, that wasn't a good enough excuse when a few years ago when there was still some – clearly there was a distinction between – I mean, you had Clemson and then you had the rest of the league, and the rest of the league was not good at all. So you're going to keep hearing that talk when those programs are down. Then with one of them gets up, let's just say Florida State's that one team, right? Like all of a sudden, Florida State becomes Florida State again, and they're winning 10 games a year. Now all of a sudden, maybe the criticism uh, of of the – there's less focus on the deal and everything else. Is Florida State more tempted to, to flirt? Do they have more suitors? Possibly. I'm not convinced the SEC wants to add Florida State, honestly. I'm really not. I I you keep hearing Florida state Clemson, Florida state Clemson. First off, I think the sec is more than happy with 16. They are not looking to move. If the big 10 were to add a couple more, well, that could change things. But even if that happened, don't be surprised if those two schools don't get the first phone calls. I'm just saying just no inside information on that. Just based on what I think they'd be looking at and what I, what I know to be true. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if those are not the first two phone calls that are made because you already have South Carolina. You already have Florida. Uh, I don't know necessarily if you need two from each one of those states. Uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent convinced of that. But again, I'm not convinced at all that they're even thinking about expanding right now. I think 16 is just fine with everybody in that room, and when they all get together in Destin and they're cutting those checks, and again, it's 16 equal pieces of the pie. If you add two more, that's two more slices you got to divvy up, and that money, that big pot of cash from TV just got split two more ways. So the addition of two more schools has to then add so many more millions of dollars for it to even be a financial gain. Those are the things that they're thinking about more so than, well, this this program adds another 10-win team. They got plenty of 10-win teams in the SEC. They're, they're okay there. And for that matter, uh, so is the Big Ten. Right now, the Big Ten just needs to worry about what the hell mess Kevin Warren left. Because if you look into that deal, he promised things that he wasn't allowed to promise. He's got checks going the wrong direction. He's got people that are supposed to get $80 million that are getting $70 million and where that other $10 million. I mean, Kevin Warren in a minimal amount of time during COVID, he was an embarrassment. Okay. Let's just call it what it is. During COVID he showed his rear end and made embarrassing decisions again, trying to be kind of slick and the smartest guy in the room. And much like the former PAC 10 commissioner showed you that's not always the best thing to do. And then, and then he signs all this, this massive TV deal and they gotta get that thing sorted out because there's a lot of unhappy people. Just read Pete Thamel's article for more on that.
2: yeah, I'd unmute myself there um okay i I'll, I'll say this, you know there's it, a lot of i also go uh, Washington state's athletic director. Washington state now has a hiring freeze on in the athletic department. Because Comcast apparently has paid fifty overpaid the pac 12 fifty million I saw <laughs> for <that>. their network <laughs> and they're refusing to pay and they fired the CFO and also so it's it's West Coast dumpster fire as well uh the ad also said that moving the headquarters out of San Francisco, which is ridiculously expensive uh they' they're moving to Vegas, which isn't so expensive um has cost the, the conference I mean they they've taken a bath in that that's weird. I mean, how how what kind of? I mean, what what were you where were you at in the Taj Mahal out there? Were you were you in that building that looks like a pyramid in San Francisco? I mean, what were you, what were what were you, what kind of office space were you? in? Off, you can get office space cheaply now. I mean, what what is that deal? <laughs> uh So that's sad. But you know, back to your point, Mike, about the the SEC and expanding. You think about this. So when you look at the pot, and I mentioned earlier, cable. Cable TV uh, subscribers still matter right now. <laughs> it's not as much as it once was, but you're still still 74 million. We're not at the point where it's such an a la carte offering and it may get there sooner than later where Florida state versus Tennessee is a more of a moneymaker, like on an a la carte basis. In other words, streaming than say, you know, Tennessee and Ole Miss. or or, or somebody like that. So brands mean something. And, and, you know, when Texas first got in, I kind of thought, well, here we go. It's going to be about brands from now on. Uh, You know, but, but but then, you know, back up for a minute. um, We all know that the Texas, the Longhorns fan base is enormous. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, And I'll still remember we were doing, uh, radio in Columbia, South Carolina. Mike, we had Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network on. Yeah. The day they played Texas in the Rose Bowl, the first time Saban uh, led Alabama to the national championship game. This is Alabama football. It's as big as it gets. They they are back for the first time in 17 years. And I remember him specifically telling us that he talked to the Rose Bowl people and ticket request, hotel request, travel package request. Six to one, Texas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's just, I mean, it's a—it's the second most populated state in the country. It's 30 million people in Texas. And a ton of them are Longhorns. Um, so Texas may just be a, hey, <laughs> these, these guys are on a different level than anybody else. We don't care if we already got A&M in that state. It's going to bring X viewers. Plus, we get out of the Longhorn Network deal, whatever. Okay. And, 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 you know, that's that's sustainable. I think if you look at it, you know, the Big Ten now has state number one in California, state number four in New York, state number five in Pennsylvania, state number six in Illinois, seven in Ohio, okay? You know, they're getting into, I mean, they got New Jersey, they got Michigan. So that's, that's not like most of the top 11 populated states in the country. Uh you look at the SEC it's Texas and Florida and Georgia in the top ten. then there's a drop off well who's sitting there at number nine North Carolina who's sitting there at number twelve Virginia Population is, is is more important when you're dealing you know with uh with the cable subscribers because as has been mentioned many times, <laughs> you know these folks that subscribe to cable they they're paying seventy five cents for the SEC network or whatever per month whether they want it or not, you know, and, and it's still enough of a force uh, to where that could be very lucrative. That, that could make the TV package go up. You add Clemson. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of great games. You had Florida state. Oh yeah. You're going to, you know, you're going to have blockbuster games every weekend. Great. Super. Your ratings are going to be really good. But does that really impact the bottom line enough to where you can justify feeding two more mouths? I think that's that's the in the immediate next 5 years that's the frontier. I have no doubt in my mind the Big 10 would love to add Virginia. Uh I think you know watch out for Georgia Tech to a certain extent. Georgia's the eighth most populated uh state in the country. North Carolina's the ninth. Uh you think they would not love to have UNC. I uh, mean so I think those mid-atlantic states Virginia and North Carolina if there's a way for the ACC to open up that's the next frontier. Now, you start getting into expanding by four more teams or something like that, then, yeah, Clemson under Florida State would be a logical, you know, let's just go ahead and lock it all up. But uh, uh, I think University of North Carolina uh, is probably, when you think about what is the next big brand uh, to be targeted outside of Notre Dame, of course, because Notre Dame, as Lou said, Notre Dame is special. They're special. Uh, outside of Notre Dame, North Carolina, uh, I think I think UNC and this whole thing, even though they've run the ACC for years, uh, just like Texas ran the Big Twelve, they hold a lot of cards, a lot of cards, and just because Virginia is sorry at football right now, don't think that UVA uh, is not a valuable commodity in all this for both of the big leagues. Uh, if uh, if if there is a way for the ACC uh, schools to leave and, you know, uh, the other conferences expand.
1: It's going to be very interesting to see. And as we sit here in late May, uh, the PAC still hasn't signed a TV deal. Mm-hmm. And everybody is waiting on that. As I've said many times, this is no longer just about PAC-10 fans. And we can't can call it the PAC-10 now because they've already lost two and um, no, they're going to lose two and they could lose more. And they might add San Diego State, maybe, maybe SMU. Um, mm. Or they could just lose a couple more pillars of that league, and then the league is essentially done. It's essentially uh, it's, it's borderline defunct at that point. You're, you're staving off extinction if you're the pack. And, and maybe they're really kind of like a duck in the water. Uh, you know, you, you just look at the head. It's nice and calm and cool and just gliding on the pond. But what you don't see is the feet just churning and churning and churning and churning. I make that analogy a lot in, in broadcasting and TV, what we try and do, uh, to, to not let you see the feet churning, all the things that are going on behind the scenes. That might be the pack commissioner's, uh, motto right now. Let's just, let's appear to be the calm duck, but those feet better be moving really, really fast underwater. To salvage that league. Because if you think Deion Sanders and a three to four win Colorado team are really going to take that league to new heights, I I don't see it. Like that that phenomenon will be great for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden when Colorado is like I said, you know, three and seven in November, are you really going to care about Colorado? Are you going to be obsessed with Deion Sanders on the sideline? doing whatever he does on the sideline I I don't know at that point um so it it'll, it'll be uh interesting to see by the way quick aside and then I'll let you get to uh maybe some of the other headlines I don't want to debate this quarterback thing cuz it's so <laughs> it's so um done for controversy's sake and debate and like if if you have Baker Mayfield 3 spots ahead of Tim Tebow like come on now you know, I mean, and there, there's some obvious submissions on the list, but it's one through 75. If you can check it. It's fun fodder for the offseason. You got Matt Ryan at 75. You got Baker Mayfield at one, and you got all kinds of names in between. Uh Just a quick aside on the personal uh, note, got to see Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks in concert in Nashville in the Music City. They're still bringing it. I mean, I'm feeling like, an underachiever in my forties compared to what these people are doing in their seventies. Holy smokes. Jay, where are we going to be in our seventies? Are we still going to be doing JC and Morgan? Are we still going to be eating? Are we going to be using utensils when we eat our food? There just, there's no telling. Um, but just an amazing, amazing show. I had to throw that in there a little bit of a, uh, a social call. And I'll also say this while we have a moment. Um, people are catching on to the movie air. Have you, you haven't seen it yet, right?
2: Not, not just yet. It's, uh, it's on my list and uh, you're we'll, not the only person that's told me that. So,
1: yeah. So we'll, we'll do our five and dime segment in a moment, but uh, I saw it at, again, the the look cinemas, and I do want to mention them look cinemas just outstanding. Uh, they're all over the country. Now we've, we've got one here in Atlanta slash Brookhaven. They just opened one up in New York. They're in California. They're in Texas. They're in, Florida, um, all places in in between, incredible seating, all the the hot movies. And what I like to do, JC, when I'm in a movie theater, there's something. I don't know what it is in the air, but I've got to eat massive amounts of popcorn and food. And they don't just have, like, movie popcorn. They've got one of the best pizzas I've had in Atlanta. they've got really good food. They've got signature cocktails, any drink you could want, all kinds of beers. So a little bit of alcohol can uh, go a long way in enjoying the theater experience. Uh, But they've got it all at Look Cinemas. You can check out the website, lookscinemas.com. Also, don't forget, $6 discount Tuesday. Why not go ahead and save some bucks on a Tuesday, as good a day as any, to go catch a flick? Uh, Go ahead and check them out if you haven't already. That's Look Cinemas. And again, uh, first person to tweet me, at Morganonair. Just type in look or movie or something to that effect, and I will get you a pair of tickets sent out to you. But I mentioned that was the first movie I saw at the new look, Dine-In Cinema here in Atlanta, Um, and I was not expecting much. I was expecting to, like, not like the movie that I thought it would be, just like I thought Brad Pitt and Moneyball would be a dud. Like, how how much can you get out of that storyline? And Brad Pitt, really? Pretty Boy Brad? playing the role of a GM of a baseball team. Well, that movie was really good. And this movie, I kind of went in like, I don't know if I'm really going to like this. I know the story. I'm not buying Matt Damon, hunky Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, Uh, not exactly a hunky guy, but he's great in it. And the movie is really good. So I enjoyed it. So everybody now is catching up the weeks later. It's and everybody seems to love the movie. Um, so just another a little reco, because I don't I don't get to see a lot of movies these days that don't have, again, men dressed in costumes with capes and superpowers. Um, if that's your thing, it's great. Or if you want animated movies for the kids, if that's your thing, it's great. I like a little storyline. You know, I like a I like. A, and if it's about a true story, even better. And that's what that has. I saw the Foreman movie. I like that as well. Now we're back to I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm going to see next. It's a, it's a more movies about cartoons and uh, how many people, how many people are going to do the fast and furious? Like, have you ever seen a fast and furious movie? Are you one of these guys?
2: I can't tell them apart. I mean, if, if I've watched, I mean, you know, I, I, I may have, you know, we, we have the fiber and dime or I, it, it's one of those that's like below a penny for me. Okay. I I, I've maybe seen it. Uh, can I just read redo- half, yeah, half, half of one.
1: Because we do kind of this uh, very amateur movie review segment, right? The 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 Five and Dimer, which I wasn't sure how you folks out there would uh, receive it. Apparently, many of you love it, and so we're happy to hear that. Uh, but the, this is from a – this is like a professional movie review guy. This is Johnny Oliksinski of the New York Post. And I just caught this Fast X. So they're, not, they're on the 10th Fast and Furious movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Because just nine is not enough. Vin Diesel deserves at least 10. When you have a thespian like Vin Diesel, that kind of acting uh, and range cannot be bottled up in just nine films. You need 10 with the same storyline with with cars and guns and everything else. So this is his opening paragraph. Twenty two years ago, the Fast and Furious franchise began as a sexy crime and cars saga set in L.A. Ten movies later not counting spinoffs, the meathead stars of these vacuous slogs look and behave like a group of retired gym teachers who would be better off behind the wheel of a golf cart. The real question, astutely asked one of the interchangeable doofuses in Fast X, is how did we let this go on so long?
0: Uh. (laughs) I mean,
1: that's kind of how I feel, and I haven't seen two seconds of any of those. And again, if that's your thing, I'm not knocking it. We all have our own uh, taste and stuff. But uh, I have a feeling if I was a movie critic and I was forced to sit through ten of these, that's kind of the vibe that my review would have. Just, just saying.
2: Mm, yeah, they're they're just like a video game. <laughs> like, you just watch. The, you'd be better off watching like uh, uh, Nat's oldest son plays video games over and over i think uh uh-huh. yeah, I, mean, I, not, I
1: don't mind video games i'll play a video game But yeah
2: but you're not playing you just watch it i mean that, right. that's that's how stale it's it's gotten but hey hollywood these days man they're gonna they're gonna throw stuff out there they can make money on and well that's the obviously thing they, the, obviously they make money you know
1: here's another i didn't put this in the five and dimer but have you seen the movie the founder with michael keaton it's it's a yes. brilliant Tremendous. You have seen it. It's fantastic. Yes. It's it's about Ray Kroc the basically I mean he didn't invent McDonald's but he made McDonald's what it is today. They also owned the San Diego Padres for a while. But mm-hmm. um uh Kroc sees the McDonald Brothers one restaurant and he comes back and he says, "One word fellas, franchise." And then they just keep saying it and they're like, "No, nah, we don't want to expand franchise. Franchise, franchise, franchise. That's what movies are now." Because I was trying to figure out what is the calculus that, that says that we keep regurgitating these. A franchise is where the money is. So you might put together a thought-provoking, well-written, character arc, well-acted film and make $12 million. A franchise, those make like $300 million per film. And the actors and the good ones, were, they all sell out. And I would, too. It's it's. It's ridiculous money, where they're making like thirty million a film and up and up on these movies. So that's that's where, that's why we are where we are. It's franchise. Okay, franchise. I digress.
2: Franchise. Yes. Gotcha. All right. Do
1: you want to get into Five and Dime or do you have something let's, else on your mind? Let's here? do it.
2: Nah, no, I think okay. uh, the football topics are. I think we've pretty much we've, we've 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 covered the whole thing. We've we've, we've run the, the gamut. gamut. All I, right. You know, when I was before I got into. Before when I was unprofessional, I used to call it the gamut when I was just like a kid and would read it. And then I called it the gamut. The gamut? You know, I, I, like I think the gamut would be a better word than the gamut. I mean, a gamut. Gam, gamut's not a beautiful word. Gamut, though, is a, a, a beautiful word. Well, you introduced me. I
1: pride myself on having a great vocabulary. I thought that was something that would be nice to have in this business. Um, although watching some of the, the, the talking heads. Some some of them have what seems to be a seventh grade reading level, and they're still doing quite well. So maybe I'm crazy, but wasted too much time looking at the sources. But I had never heard the word cabal until you introduced mm-hmm. it on our show years ago about just the dominance of the same few programs in college football, which you know hopefully is expanding a little bit now. Uh, so uh, whether it's uh, gamot or cabal. Or you're, you're introducing new things to me each and every day. Let's, inter- <laughs> <laughs> let's introduce, let's uh, introduce five and dimer. Again, these are, we pick three movies every day, kind of a triple player, every episode. And Fiverr means you've seen the movie at least five times. You know, it's, it's on cable. You can't help yourself. You're not, the remote's not dropping or it is dropping. I should say. And you're like, yeah, I got to see roadhouse again. I know how it ends. I know it's not a great movie, But damn it, I'm watching it again. Dimer means you've seen it at least 10 times. You just can't resist. You can't help yourself. Uh, Or none of the above. Maybe you haven't seen it or once was enough. So you went ahead and you were on me about you've got to get this movie in, Mike. It's one of my personal faves. Three amigos.
0: (laughs) Story. Chevy Chase.
1: This is when they were in their prime before Chevy became a bitter and very unfunny man a Chevy chase, Martin short and Steve Martin. Uh, I remember there is a talking Bush and that's all I remember about this movie. I saw it one time when I was a kid. That's all I got for you. You give me the rest.
2: Speaking of, uh, vocabulary, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, I need to watch it again because it's a it's a way above a dimer for me, but uh, it <laughs> hadn't been on in a while. I, I, if I, I made sometimes I make things I think I think El Guapo the 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 villain in the movie um, talks about a plethora of piñatas, like so oh. that word the word plethora, uh, which I think I used to pronounce plethora when I was a kid. Plethora. Uh, that, that's a, that's a Guapo vocabulary. corrected you. El Guapo. Uh, let me have, let me know. But uh, yeah. Hilarious movie. Um Just some, I mean, the, the plot's good. You know, Martin short was in his prime. Chevy chase was in his prime. Steve Martin was in his prime. Just a, uh, an outstanding movie. The uh, diver. It, you're so right. It's really on, on anymore. Yeah. yeah it, you it, don't see it. You know, no. I need, um, I'd like to get, uh, you know, some Three Amigos gear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Or something,
2: you know. You like always a get a sombrero. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, just have Aren't a generic you look good sombrero. A sombrero. If I could find one big enough to fit my head, I think I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would be fine with that. But ha- it's like blue Delta enjoyable. jeans. You just got to find a custom fit yeah. sombrero outfit and you'll C- be good to custom go. fit sombrero hat, cowboy hat, that kind of <laughs> thing. But, yeah, it's uh, definitely a dimer for me.
1: All right, here's a movie that is on a lot, and when it is on, whether it's an AMC or a Paramount or an IFC or some something with a C, I'm in. Trading Places, absolute dimer for yours truly. One of the best comedies ever made. Peak Eddie Murphy before he went franchise to Shrek and the the cartoon uh, animated world. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, brilliant. The the storyline. Brilliant. I mean, it just it hits on so many levels. And to this day, if you find somebody that's seen the movie and you say, looking good, Billy Ray, somebody will come back and say, feeling good, Lewis. Like, that's just, you know, you know what it is if you were there. Dimer for me trading places.
2: Donna Metchie and Ralph Bellamy. uh yes. They did the call back, the Duke in brothers coming, in call coming to America one right. same uh, director like Mortimer We're back <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a dimer for me, I absolutely love that movie, and um I quick, think it's a, tremendous
1: a quick little tidbit on that movie, uh which of course the the final scene centering around Wall Street and frozen concentrated orange juice, my cousin. My older, older cousin was a stock broker at that time. So that was his work every day. He was one of those guys grinding and just trying to make a living. Um, it's a lot different today with computers and the Internet. Back then, man, it was it was a rough world, as Wolf on Wall Street also showed a little bit. Mm-hmm. He is one of the extras in that scene. You see him oh, for wow. about. Yeah, you see him for like three tenths of a second. But and he got paid zero. And of course, doesn't say a word. But he was in the movie trading places, he can say. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh I w I've never been an extra You've actually done you've been in you've a been, been in, in stuff. Been the in talking movies,
2: parts. Couple small movies, but uh extra I guess the biggest thing I was in is a NASCAR commercial for Fox. You see like me, it's a, it's a it's a drone shot from up top, and you, you see me in a Hawaiian shirt holding a sign that goes, says something like, well, uh, name your NASCAR driver. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Go don't Earnhardt know or whatever. Earnhardt yeah. was uh, sadly uh, 20 years in the grave by then, but it was our Dale Jr. or something. But, man, that was the worst ever because I didn't get paid that much. Had to be at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in January. Yeah, yeah so they pretended like it was Daytona. It was 30 degrees outside, had to be there at 6 a.m. Call hmm. drive from Greenville, South Carolina up there to do it. It, uh, it was, I was exhausted, but, um, uh, yeah, I did make the final cut for like a, maybe a half second. You see me down there doing it, but that's, uh, once I got to a certain point, I, like I always wanted to be an extra in Ozark when I lived in Atlanta you because would have they been filmed perfect for Ozark. Outstanding, especially with the look I have now. But yes, you know, but by my agents and I did have an agent, you know, and they were like, "Well, if you're if you're an extra, you know, then you'll always be an extra in that show. And if they have a speaking part, you're good for you won't get it." And I was like, "Well, I, I don't care really. I just I just like to say I was in Ozark, but yeah. uh, you know, but it's." Uh, yeah it's funny but yeah definitely trading places is a dimer for
1: me um one of these days we got to get you in another part I think I think it's I don't I don't want that to be over Uh, it needs another chapter we need JC to be in a a film or or hit Netflix show sometime soon uh Mm -hmm. final one on the five and dimer Donnie Brasco
2: dimer man you're on fire today uh (laughs) Woody I wasn't and, sure uh, if this
1: was up your alley. I wasn't sure because you what, know everybody knows Goodfellas. Not everybody knows Donnie Brasco.
2: God, Donnie Brasco. I mean, I love Goodfellas. It's a dimer for me, oh, and I still watch scenes a, from it all the time. That's a Ben Franklin. That, yeah, that's a long, that's a big one. But man, Johnny Depp and Al Pacino in this one was so. You know, Al Pacino sometimes with his with his roles, he's larger than life. All the time, and he talks like this all the time. Give me all you got, ah, give man. me all you got. Uh, and he goes out there, but but in this movie, it's almost like his character in Heat, which is a little bit vulnerable, but then he goes back to being an Al when he's chasing Mount De Niro. This is a very vulnerable Al Pacino character. Um, and, and depth was really good. And I mean, the whole concept, it just it kind of leaves you feeling. Very sympathetic for, for the Al Pacino yeah. character there at the end, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. I, I love Donnie Bresco. I agree with
1: virtually everything you just said. It's a dimer. Um, this is part of that genre in the – it all started with the Godfather in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved – I think Goodfellas was 89, maybe mm-hmm. 90. Anyway, um you know of course you had scarface which was not really mafia but it's still it's it's in the same genre and then you've got goodfellas casino the scorsese just one two power punch the guy that came up with uh, um oh carlito's way who's the same uh, bregman who came up with scarface uh and then you've got you've got this one and i'm sure there's a couple that i'm missing I couldn't stay awake through The Irishman. I've got to give it another shot, but it just it just dragged and dragged and seemed never ending.
2: It, it, I I made it through, but it's it's not one I would watch again. I enjoyed yeah. it, I, I, I thought the acting was really good. But it's just right. not. It's not a fiber. P- was, was Jimmy Hoffa in it, and he's just Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> t- I'm gonna do the Teamsters Union. Yeah, ah,
1: you know. yeah, it's. Uh, well, anyway, staying on point with Donnie Brasco, um, it's outstanding. It, it, and, again, based on a true story, I can't remember who directed this one. This is not Scorsese, but it's it's really, really good. And it's Depp at his best. Again, he's another one that went to the franchise. And so he's cashed in on a lot of movies that I'm not interested in seeing anymore. But Johnny Depp can act, always has been able to act, and was really, really good in this uh, flick. It was unlike any other role that he played before. Um, The supporting cast is good with the guy from, um, oh, shoot, from Quentin Tarantino's first hit film before Pulp Fiction.
2: Oh, Michael Madsen.
1: Michael Madsen, Madsen, thank you.
2: Who had one of the most disturbing um, uh, scenes in Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, what I was trying to get, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you had Madsen, in it was good. Uh, uh, Bruno Kirby, who was good think bruno's with us anymore anyway it's just yeah i, I mean and the, unfortunately that genre like the stories have all been told so i don't i don't i don't think we're gonna have movies like this anymore they tried one with speaking of depp he played the guy from boston um black sunday i think it was called mm-hmm. I don't know what i'm talking about it was okay one great it it just it lacked so i i think unfortunately we've kind of burnt it out so until then, Godfather, Casino, Goodfellas, Donnie Brasco. These are all dimers. These are all Ben Franklins, quite frankly. If they're on, I don't need anything else. I'm good. I'm 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 okay. So anyway. All right. We're good. In fact, we're over time. Time uh time is money, and also uh when you're having fun, time flies. And any other cliche you can insert in there. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. LeBron James swept. That's all you got to say about the NBA playoffs <laughs> at this point. Uh, we'll see you next week. Ryan Leaf joining us as we continue the quarterback derby. Don't forget the website, JC. It's looking better and better, Jcmorgan.com. Tell the fine folks about that and anything else they need to know about this fine podcast.
2: jcmorgan.com You can find our sponsors like Blue Delta Jeans we talked about earlier. I'm shaped like a potato with legs. I put my specs (laughs) in the internet and these amazing comfortable jeans with my name on the tag that come in, fit me like a glove. It's awesome. Makes my butt look good. I'm amazed. My fiance loves them. BlueDeltaJeans.com. They've got other things besides jeans now. Be sure to check those out so you can see all of our sponsors there. There's a roving blog. Now this is not, like a blog where Mike and I sit there and give our hot takes every day. They listen to the podcast where there's highlights from the podcast. We tell you where the, the, the who the guests are going to be coming up when we can, unless there's a surprise. Um And then you can find ways to catch me uh, with my standing radio appearances every week um beyond the Gamecock market, if you will. And Mike as well, where he's at, what he's calling all that. So if you want more of that, let us know. We're going to, Probably get into some 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 telev- sports television-type content on there and uh, definitely talk movies and stuff. So uh, check it out. It's jcandmorgan.com. There is an email list there, so put your email in there uh, because we will have a newsletter product coming as well. Very excited about the JC and Morgan website, jcandmorgan.com, www.jcandmorgan.com, uh, if you want more from Mike and myself and this podcast.
1: Love it. We just continue to expand. We're getting closer, inching closer and closer to J.C. and Morgan number 200. Uh, yeah. It started off as just two guys working a Skype with bad audio, and, and now uh, we've, we've gotten to the point where I think we've got this thing down pretty well technically, and to the thousands that tune in and download each and every week, we certainly appreciate you doing so, and we'll be back with you next week. Until then, for J.C., it's Mike saying so long. Have a great week.